grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Um, we're continuing our walk through our look at Isaiah. Can we just give Mike a big hand? Because yeah. that was in Isaiah, in fact, in all of Scripture. Uh, but it's a big text, a challenging text, and so what I want to do is just kind of walk through it together and get the full impact of Isaiah's words back then and for us today. It begins with these words, when Ahaz, son of Jotham, the son of Uzziah, was king of Judah, king Rezin of Aram and Pekah, son of Remelech, king of Israel, marched up to fight against Jerusalem, but they could not overpower it. So, happened was this. There were two nations, Aram and Israel, and they decided they were going to gang up on the little tiny nation of Judah. <clears throat> Good timing, too. Because as we learned uh, back in chapter 6, Judah's long-time popular, well-beloved king Uzziah had just died. And now his untested son Ahaz was on the throne. If you're going to attack, this is a good time to attack. Attack the new guy. That's exactly what they do. And the new guy, and all of Judah, is scared. They're afraid. This is 635 B.C. And look at this. It's a little hard to see up here. But I got a laser. So Judah is purple. Geographically speaking, it's a large nation. But this is mostly desert down here. It's really just these top purple cities up here. Israel, quite large, and Aram is over here. So these two large nations are ganging up on Judah. Scary stuff. Hard times. And that's what they're afraid. And God says to Isaiah, you need to go, and you need to go and encourage your king. Remind them of whose he is, and whose God is on his side. But then God says this, take your son, Sha'er Jashub. It's a funny name. Even in those days, it was a funny name. It meant something. It means this in Hebrew, a remnant will return. So I ask you, is that good news or bad news? A remnant will return. It's kind of like saying, it's kind of having like a kid. And dating your kid, the Cubs will win the World Series. Right? It's, it's a good news, but it's a reminder of some really, really, really bad news. And that's Sha'er Jashub, a remnant of return. Our people will be defeated and destroyed. But one day, a remnant will return. That's why Isaiah brings his son with him. See, it's not this battle that they need to fear. It's a battle coming in the future. But for this battle, this battle is the Lord's. And Isaiah reminds Ahaz that. And he says it with these words. Say to him, be careful. Keep calm. Don't be afraid. Don't lose heart because of these two smoldering stubs of farmland. Great words. 
his heart. Those are awesome words. Have you seen those t-shirts around that says, keep calm and then carry on? You've seen those, right? Uh, those were developed in World War II by the British government. And they used it to encourage the citizens of, of London and all of England. But here's a little unknown fact. They never actually put those posters up. Those posters were designed to be put up when Nazi Germany invaded. And that was going to be their one way to help encourage the people to keep calm and carry on. Sure, we're getting bombed mercilessly. Sure, the invading army is on our island. But keep calm. Carry on. Don't worry. Be happy. Yeah, thanks so much. That's exactly what I needed this time. I need a good poster. But when God says keep calm, he needs it. And when God says don't lose heart, because God's promises, unlike the government's, are true and real. And they work. And they're for you. Keep calm. Don't be afraid. Don't lose heart. In verse 7, this is what the Sovereign Lord says. Will not take place. The invasion will not happen. For the head of Aram is Damascus, and the head of Damascus is only present. The head of Ephraim is Samaria, and the head of Samaria is only Remelah's son. And you, Ahaz, you are a descendant of David, God's chosen people. And you're afraid of them? Isaiah 
gives this incredible rebuke, promise with these words. Hear now your house of David. Deny enough to try the patience of humans and to try the patience of my God also. Not Ahaz is God. Isaiah is God now. Ahaz is God somewhere else. Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. He'll be encouraged and honey when he knows enough to reject the wrong and choose the right. Before the boy knows enough to reject the wrong and choose the right, in other words, before his bar mitzvah, before he turns 12 years old, the nations that you're worried about will be gone. The land that you kings to dread will be laid waste. Isaiah chastises Ahaz for not trusting God. Ahaz sits. He lifts up Assyria. He says, Assyria's going to be my God. I'm going to put my faith and trust in the Assyrians instead of the promises of God. That's what we have to do. And now we know why Isaiah brought his son and shared Jeshua with them to come to win the World Series. Promise. False for me. And I believe all sin essentially not trusting God or having other gods ahead of and before in a higher position of the one true God. And wouldn't it be nice if all of our temptations announced ourselves this way? Be calm! Don't be afraid! Don't lose heart! But they don't do that, do they? Wouldn't it be nice if God like ruled us like I ruled my puppy? I'm training puppies right now. <laughs> you want to know the most exasperating experience? Train two dash hounds. They're horrible. And whenever they do something wrong, they look, look at me. And they do it anyway. They look, right? So that's, that's a good God doesn't work like that. He doesn't treat us like puppies. But I guess you'd say, you know, it's a good thing because, you know, when we sit, it's not like invading armies are coming to our house to take over, right? That's what happens. Sin grows and it grows and it grows. And before we even know it, it's permeating relationships, it's damaging our relationship with God, our family, our co workers. It's a story of a man broods on hurts and injustices done to him. And when he grows up, he grows up to be an angry, bitter man. And the anger and bitterness is just invaded him. It's the story of a woman who, who works hard and does great at school and college and graduate school and, and she becomes very successful and the success drives who she is becomes her identity. And that good thing becomes a God thing which is a bad thing. And then she loses her job and she's crushed, inconsolable. She can't figure out why she can't cope. Because her God's been slain and the idol of success is invading her. It happens all the time. 
It's that little seed of bitterness that grows. It's that little seed of unforgiveness that increases. It's that, that, little, that little heartache that just aches and aches. You never let God heal it. It's as if an army has invaded us. We say, oh, it's so hard to let it go. It's so hard to be healed. It's so hard to, to allow God to be God. And not those false gods that I've trusted in and in my faith for so long. We all do this. And Isaiah prophesies the solution for Ahaz and for us. The virgin will give birth to a son. We'll call him Emmanuel. Jesus Christ grew up. He died upon a cross. Take our anger, take our bitterness, take our unforgiveness, take our fear, take our sin, and kill it, put it to death, and make us his. This is my belief. That all sin is generated by fear. It's a fear that we need something else other than what God provides. It's a fear that we're missing out on something, so I better do this or experience this because God's not big enough for what I need. It's a fear that I can't let go of this because if I let go of this hurt or this unforgiveness, Lord, that you won't be enough to provide for me and heal me. So i got to hold on. Here's the great thing. You are worse off than you ever imagined. You are more loved than you ever knew. Tim Keller wrote those words. Jesus Christ, who came for you, gives you all things. You are his, and my friends, you are loved. So I want to ask you this question. What would you do? What would you do if you knew you could fail because the God of creation is on your side? What would you do knowing that if you did fail, because you know you will, the state of the world is going to pick you up again? What would you do? I'll tell you what you'd do. You'd start a Christian high school. Because somebody in some voter meeting somewhere said, wouldn't it be nice if there's a Christian high school in this valley? And if you guys made it happen, that's what you do. You know what you do? You'd either go to Cuba or you'd send a team to Cuba. Because there's people there who need to know Jesus. That's what you do. You know what you do? You'd go back home, so filled up with the love of God in your life, knowing that He will provide for all of your needs, that He will one day heal all of your hurts, that you would love your so family, you would be reckless with it. And people would say, You're too forgiven. And you'd say, Yes, yes, I am. 
and so is my God. That's what you do. You love and abandon. You forgive with courage. And when you walk into a room, evil will flee. That's what you do. That's what you do. Did I just say you do? I did. <laughs> anyway. God's promise for Ahaz. It's God's promise for you. You are loved. So my friends, keep calm. Don't be afraid. Don't lose heart. God of all creation is on your side. And Jesus Christ, Emmanuel, God with you, will pick you up when you fall. His child. Great. And I hope that's what our 
topic because we didn't really we didn't really know what it was going to be like. Oh, and we we were nervous about you know prayer was great in the car. We look at each other and say, "Can we stay?" And we walk in and then it just got better and better. And